Good morning. How are y'all? Good. Hey, well, thank you all for, first of all, allowing me to, to come and be a part of this weekend. Um, thank you, Jeff, for, for asking me in Dallas. It's been awesome getting to lead with you. Um, Dallas does awesome at um, the gift that he's been given. So um, y'all give him a round of applause in a little bit. So. Um, first of all, uh, I just wanted to thank a few people. Um, Pastor Ridge, I wanted to thank you for an opportunity uh, to come and to speak today. Uh, I, I want you to know that I haven't taken this opportunity lightly. Um, if I had one of those Fitbits, you'd probably see that from my sleep cycle the past week and especially last night. Um, I'd also like to thank Corey. Um, I know this wasn't your weekend or, or with the university group, but um, your love um, of the students and of this church and of uh, your fellow staff members showed when uh, you came and you, you were willing to lend a, a helping hand wherever it was needed. So thank you, Corey. Um, lastly, I'd like to thank Jeff uh, once again for, for this opportunity. Uh, but he's been uh, a good friend. Uh, I had the opportunity to room with Jeff in college for about a year, and so we've been close since then, and I've learned a lot from him. Uh, I also want y'all as the church to, to recognize uh, just how powerful of a man of God that you have leading your students. <laughs> Um, growing up and being a part of a youth group, uh, it wasn't until my senior year that we had uh, a youth minister that I would say uh, loved his students and was devoted to making them and training them to be disciple makers. And so it's a big deal when you have someone that, that loves your students as much as Jeff does and is devoted to, to making them and training them to be disciple makers. So um, thank you, Jeff, um, and students. Y'all uh, give Jeff a high five and a hug uh, on your way out today because you got an awesome one. Um, first of all, before we jump in to the day, um, I want to catch y'all up on what we've kind of covered uh, for the weekend. The weekend was themed dwell, and y'all have seen the, the picture that's up there of the house, and kind of what that represents is a, a place that we reside, um, a dwelling place. And so we wanted to, to talk to your students and to teach your students um, how to make the Word of God um, a place where you dwell um, and where you reside um, and, and to know Christ through his word. And so that's been the theme of the weekend. Uh, just, again, spent a long time uh, planning this weekend and came up with that theme, and I think it was a great one uh, for myself and the college students that came with us from Tarleton as well as y'all students. Um, so night one, uh, it was Friday night, uh, we covered and went over how to overcome sin and temptation. And I gave them four uh, ways or four things to consider uh, when uh, trying to, to overcome sin and how to use it with 
the Word of God since that's been the theme of the weekend was residing in His Word. And so uh, theme number one or, or the thing to consider uh, was refocusing your attention away from sin and, and focusing it on, um, on good. And so we overcome evil with good. And so I'm going to read uh, Philippians 4.8 to y'all. And, and that's been the verse that we've kind of gone back to uh, all weekend long. And it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And verse 9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And so when we overcome good with evil, we have to replace that evil with something good. And so verse 8 in Philippians is perfect because it gives you a list of about six or seven different things that, um, that are, are good to replace evil um, in your life. And so that's how we refocus um, our attention away from sin and temptation and onto good. Um, we're reading a book um, back home with our, our challenge groups. I know y'all have challenge groups here. Um, and it's uh, by, just lost his name. But that doesn't matter. Um, it's the, the Purpose Driven Life. Can't think of his name. I know y'all have heard of it. Um, he gives us this principle of replacement. And so that's why... Um, Philippians 4.8 is so awesome. Is that in this principle of replacement, we replace these evil thoughts with good thoughts. And so God's given us this perfect passage and this perfect book uh, to do so with. Um, so number two, we reveal our struggles with a friend. Um, somebody that is going to um, faithfully pray for us and encourage us and keep us accountable, and that accountability part is the most important part. Uh, sharing sin with a friend is important, and it's awesome, but if you share it with the wrong person that's not going to hold you accountable on it, it's useless. And so um, finding those, those faithful friends, um, like a Jeff Watts uh, that I have that, that I can share sin and struggles with and temptations with, and I know that he's going to check me on it, and he's not going to allow me to, to waller in that sin. Number three was resisting the devil. Um, first, we, uh, we went over uh, the armor of God, or at least a couple of them. And so um, to resist the devil, first you have to put on the helmet of salvation. And so... If you don't have the helmet of salvation on, um, the rest is completely impossible and useless. And so we looked at that and we put on the helmet of salvation, but then he's given us this sword um, that is the word of God. And so that is how we, um, we wield against the devil and the enemy is through his word and by knowing his word. And so again, we reside and we dwell in the word of God. Number four was that we have to understand that, that we're vulnerable. Um, this one is especially difficult, I believe, um, for guys that, that we think uh, we can grab life by the horns, that we can grab sin by the horns and, and wrestle it on our own, but that's not true. 
Um, the moment we become cocky with sin is the moment that, that the enemy takes over um, and that we stumble and fall. So that's what we went over Friday night. Um, it was a night that, that we allowed the students to kind of get right with God where they needed to uh, before we continued on with the rest of the weekend. And so it was an awesome night. It was a powerful night. Uh, then we woke up and we started Saturday morning and we talked about passion and what passion was and how that collides with the Word of God. Um, and so one way uh, that we, we grow passion um, is, um, or grow passion for the Word of God is that um, we first have to believe that the Word of God and the author of this book is an interactive God. And so when we read, we read with application and we read with, um, with obedience like Jeff talked about earlier. And so these commands that he's given us in the Word of God, uh, we have to be obedient to that. And that is how we experience this interactive God that, that set foot um, out of his holy kingdom uh, to walk among us and to experience everything we experience so that he knows what we're going through. And so that's the awesome God that we serve, is a God that, that's willing to interact with us. Um, and, and so we looked at um, some just different people in Scripture in different ways uh, that God's called us to, to be obedient to his word and things that he's um, challenged us with, with his word. And so then that evening we covered um, and went over endurance. And we looked at Hebrews 12. And we just talked about um, how passion and persistence um, are great, but they don't last unless there's endurance. And so we looked at, before that, we looked at uh, Hebrews 11, which is infamously known as the Hall of Faith. And the way that those people got there is that their passion um, was coupled with endurance. And so they were able to endure the things that God had called them to, and therefore they land themselves in what we call the Hall of Faith. And so when he talks in Hebrews 12, he says, Therefore... Um, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, that therefore is referring to uh, Hebrews 11 and, and the people of the Hall of Faith. And so we've been trained that when we see therefore, we ask ourselves, what is that therefore? And we, we go beforehand and see what he has written in the text before. And so he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and so when we consider developing the ability to endure, uh, we have to consider those that have gone before us. And so I challenge them to, to consider the people that have set foot in um, the youth group, that, um, to consider Jeff and, and the way that he's poured into them, um, to consider that and what they're living up to so that they can finish the race. Uh, then I said that you have to consider yourselves uh, in Hebrews 12, 1, he says, and goes on further down, it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so we have to know those, those stumbling blocks, the things that hinder, so that we can set those things aside um, or throw them aside. 
which is a more violent action, but that's what we're called to do with the things that hinder and the sin so that we can effectively accomplish this race uh, that's been set before us. And then lastly, uh, we looked at verse 2, and it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so lastly, we talked about you must consider Jesus. Uh, the cool thing is we talked about um, that God's an interactive God. And so uh, I've been taught that in Hebrews 12 when he talks about this race that Jesus Christ is the creator. Um, it says the author and perfecter. So he's the creator of this race um, that we're running. But not only is he that, he's the perfecter. And so he's, he's walked through and he's endured this race. But the cool thing is, is that this interactive God is standing at the finish line, encouraging each one of us and cheering us on uh, to the finish. And so that is what gives us endurance. Um, if, if we skip the part about considering Jesus, then we've missed the whole point. And so we're going to go... Um, so I guess we've reached today now. We've gone over all three um, of our sessions, and we're, we're here today and I want to go over um, Isaiah 53. Um, some of y'all are familiar with it. Um, it's a prophecy of Jesus um, being led to the cross. Um, so endure uh, my reading for a moment. It's a kind of long passage, but um, it's a very descriptive and useful passage. And um, we're going to come at it with an angle of joy um, and it's going to be kind of hard to see at the beginning when you see the graphic picture and you read this graphic picture of what's happening to our Savior. Um, but the end result is so beautiful. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities and punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid, him, laid on him the iniquity of us all. He is oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his, his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering of sin, 
He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Uh, So, like I said, we're going to come at this with an angle of joy. um, And joy of the Father and joy of the Son as he endures the cross. And then where we stand in the midst of this. So, I hope uh, the implications of the text kind of sink in um, as we read through this and go through this. Uh, But um, beforehand, this passage has kind of meant a little bit more to me um, as I I began to prepare. Uh, Like Jeff said, I've recently graduated from college. Um, but not only that, I'm also uh, recently engaged um, and soon to be married uh, to an incredible and beautiful godly woman that is over there. And so y'all go check out the ring. It'll bug the heck out of her in a little bit, but I think I did a pretty good job. So um, better on her than I did the ring, though. So, um, But on top of that... Um, my granddad, of 86 years old, passed away on Tuesday. He was an Air Force pilot for 22 years. He flew 255 missions um, between the Cold War and Vietnam. Um, He was also married for 56 years. And was a great father and grandfather. So as I look through this text, the words commitment and sacrifice mean a lot more to me. I see an awesome picture of what sacrifice looks like as a husband and a grandfather and father into his country. Which is encouragement to me as I go into marriage in the next few months.
but even greater than my grandfather is this God that we just read about, this Savior. And luckily, my grandfather um, accepted Christ last year. (laughs) He finished right at the end. Um, But it's encouragement because I know I'll get to see him and be with him in the future. And the only way that's possible is through Christ. So let's look um, a little more at that. Um, I'm going to look a little more at notes right now because uh, to kind of get over the emotion of that. So sorry about that. Um, But in reading this, um, I've come to the conclusion that, that God's greatest joy was in the obedience and sacrifice of his son and the crushing of him, of his son, um, was to make for him a beautiful bride, which is the church. And so let's look at verse 10 and read through 12 again. It says, "Yet, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. Think about that for a minute. It was the Father's will to crush his son and for him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Let that sink in for a little bit. Um, I'm not a father. Um, I have one. (laughs) And... Um, all y'all do as well. But it was the Father's will to crush his son. That's powerful. And his son was perfect. For me, I'm sinful, and so it would make a lot more sense for my father to be willing to crush me, especially when I talk back or... Um, we talked about getting swats this weekend. I don't know why, but that moment when you get a swat and you look at him and say, that didn't hurt. And then that moment, I'm sure he wanted to crush me or any one of us um, as his sons. And that would make so much more sense in our human minds. But God loves us um, and loves his son so much that he wanted the most beautiful bride for his son, and the only way to make that happen was by crushing him. Second, um, actually, let's go to, to Revelations real quick, 19, and it talks a little bit um, about uh, the bride. Uh, so, Revelations 19 
7 through 9 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen, um, oh, sorry. And then verse 9 says, Then the angel said to me, Write write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding, supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. And so he's talking about his bride dressed in fine linen, and it's just what we talked about, that to have this beautiful bride for Christ, he had to be crushed. And the only thing that, that provided this beautiful linen and dresses this bride beautifully as we step before him is the blood that covers us. So second, um, we look at Jesus Christ and we consider um, the joy set before him. And so um, I came to the conclusion for Jesus Christ that the greatest desire of Jesus Christ was to please his Father. And so we see that um, in this passage as he's um, mangled and beaten and shredded and mocked and abused and then hung on this cross to die. Um, We see that commitment and sacrifice that we talked about to the Father um, and the sacrifice so that um, God could accomplish what he sent his son to do. And that is to die on this cross so that he can present him with us, his beautiful bride. And so let's look um, at Ephesians um, verse 5. It's famous for being spoken in weddings. Um, So I imagine I'll hear this in the month of June again, um, which is exciting. Um, But verses 1 through uh, 2 says, Follow uh, God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He says that he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Um, We talked this weekend about... um, those people that go before us, like we talked about in um, Hebrews 12, um, the great cloud of witnesses that has gone before us, and um, we talked about the people that, that walk around and that are so in love with God that as they walk by, you get this waft of aroma that is so attractive that you begin to follow that person. Um, and the only way that that's possible is through the grace of Christ because each one of us are sinful and disgusting creatures that God loved so much that he sent his son. But Jesus loved us so much that he offers himself as a fragrant offering. Um, And that fragrant, fragrant offering required bloodshed. And so he hangs on that cross for us. And so then we go, let's go back to Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2, and look at that passage again, and and especially uh, thinking about verse 2. So 12, uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we talked about endurance. And it says Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I don't know if you can think about that. I don't even know if I can comprehend that. But to, to scorn shame and, and to take on these sins was something that, that Jesus couldn't even fathom, being a holy God. Um, but he's willing to go to the point of even being separated from his Father um, in death and bearing every single one of our sins on that cross. And it's so easy for me to think what I would do on that cross um, if I was a, a holy God um, that was divine in nature. Um, for me, I would probably, being the weak-minded person that I am, being a human being, would have crawled off that cross when it got hard. But Jesus Christ endured it for you and I so that we can stand in glory with him um, as we step foot in eternity like my grandfather did this week. And that is awesome. And so where do we stand in the midst of all this? What's required of us um, to share that glory? And God's made it so simple for us. He said, simply admit that you need me, believe in your heart that I'm Christ, and confess with your mouth that I'm God, and that is all you have to do to spend eternity with me. But the thing that's after that, um, that, that is the purpose behind this weekend, um, unless you entered in without wearing the helmet of salvation, but if you enter in with the helmet of salvation, the purpose for this weekend in D-NOW, um, which stands for Discipleship Now, is the Great Commission, um, which um, it says that um, Jesus was given all authority on heaven and on earth, and then after that it says, therefore go and make disciples. And so there's an obedience factor like we talked about earlier in just prayer. Um, there's an obedience factor as the bride of Christ, and that is to go and to make disciples. And so we've been given this beautiful gift that is salvation. And if you haven't, um, you're going to have an opportunity here in a moment, and I pray that you would walk down, and that today would be that day, because it is the best decision of your life. Um, it's the only one that really even matters in the grand scheme of things. And so, uh, he calls us to, to make disciples, and so the way that we do that is through, through reading the Word of God, through being passionate about reading His Word, through enduring reading his word when maybe you don't want to get up in the morning or maybe you don't want to meet with that person because they rubbed you the wrong way. Uh, it's accountability. So that is where we stand in the grand scheme of the cross and salvation. Um, we see that, that Jesus loved 
or, or God loved Jesus so much that he, he crushes him, and that Jesus was so obedient to his Father that he was willing to, to be crushed um, by him for this beautiful purpose of us being the bride and getting to stand with Jesus um, in glory one of these days. So Dallas, if you want to go and come back up, uh, one last passage, 1 Samuel 15, 22, talks about uh, obedience. And so I'm going to close out with this, um, and then we are going to have a moment of invitation as Dallas plays. Uh, but First 1 Samuel 15, verse 22 says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So thankfully, we don't have to um, sacrifice an animal anymore because Christ has made the ultimate atonement for us. But now he simply wants your obedience. Um, If that means um, salvation for you today, if that's the obedience and step of obedience you need to take, I pray that you come down here in just a moment. And Pastor Ridge and Jeff and I will be down here, and you can talk to any one of us. Um, if you need to come and pray uh, and get right with God or, or pray with someone, we're here for that as well. Uh, if you need baptism, if that's the next step in faith that you need to take, I pray that you come down and get that taken care of, and they will, they'll set up a time with you for that to happen. But I pray that as we go out from here and we consider the joy behind the cross, that 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 moves us to obedience, that that moves us to this calling to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Um, I look out here, and there's a crowd of wisdom and experience, and there's a group of youth that I got to be with this week, and there's college students here that need your wisdom and your experience, and that is discipleship. So invest what God's given you and your experience and that wisdom with those college students because they are the next generation of the church.